Welcome to the Bold Acting Podcast. I'm Jason Bryden. It's February 1st, 2024. And this is the first in a, a episode in a new stream of episodes within the Bold Acting umbrella called What I Learned. I read a book on acting, and I take a bunch of notes, and then I give you the abridged version of what I learned. Today, I read notes from Stella Adler's The Art of Acting. So, let's get into it. Stella Adler was born February 10th, 1901, and died in 1992. She was an American actress and acting teacher, a member of a Yiddish theater Adler dynasty. Stella Adler began acting at a young age. She shifted to teaching and founded the Stella Adler School of Acting in New York City in 1949. Her cousin, Jerry Adler, you'd remember from The Sopranos, he played the Jewish lawyer. Remember him? Really good. Big head. Always liked him. This book, once again, is called The Art of Acting. This is how she starts off. Be selfish about you. It's about yourself coming to the fore. This means you must put away the other things you have to do in your life, the parenting, your day job, your relationship. To do something really well takes intense focus. Look at what can be accomplished if you neglect other responsibilities like parenting and marriage. You can build Amazon. There's a touch of divorce there, but I think it's worthwhile, worth it for all of us. Or Apple Computers. You can fall out with a number of friends and romantic partners and your kids, but you made Apple, and then you died early. Both Trudeau prime ministerships. See above, re-divorce. There's only so many hours in the day, and the person that can eschew uh, distractions like family, friends, will have more hours to focus on the thing they really want to succeed at. You are a product of a long line of rhythms, Adler says. The beat of your generation is but one of many. Pulses that aren't immediately recognizable are not to be ignored, but explored. You come from different parts of society. The thing that makes you want to do something, that is the beginning of talent. So the courage to find your way to a class... The grown-up sense to make a decision and then act on it. That is your first credit. Money. Many of you are going to aim at making money at this. These aims come from your mother and father. Everyone thinks you have to be successful. Film, TV, and working. All the time in all of them. It means being applauded and reassured. No actor will feel successful unless they feel good inside all on their own. That confidence is what we must establish in you. Once you have it, you won't need me anymore. You won't need anyone. You will go and collaborate with others, but you will never say, help me. An actor must feel secure in themselves. To do this, you must keep growing as an artist. You must aim high. You must travel 10,000 miles to find the right teacher, the one that gives you these tools. Commit to this art like a soldier commits to dying for their country. Do that, and you will be unstoppable. The doctor that doesn't grow is a hack. 
the actor that doesn't grow is also a hack. You must be a student of acting for your entire life. Write this down. My aim is to become independent of Mrs. Adler or anybody else. Mr. Stanislavski himself was a very conservative teacher. You will find this if you read his book, but don't read his book because it makes entirely no sense. He spends his whole time opining on the beauty of a vowel and what S means. Stanislavski had his method, and that method is now very fashionable. So that means it's time to change when things become popular. It means that everyone else is doing it. So we must separate ourselves from the pack. Success is only one part of things. Today, the influences of society are pressuring you to be successful before your time. They've pulled you down so far you are on the verge of destruction. That if you don't make it, you are worthless. I want you to be able to say that they can give me the part or they can take it away. I know that I remain an actor. I know how to live with my work, whether or not they give me the part. I know who I am. I don't need a stranger's approval. How do I do that? If you say, I want to be on TV, and then they take that away from you, you will, will you be okay with that? I would say for every dollar you want to make acting, find out how to live and work without that dollar. For every hour you spend trying to make it, then put in an hour of work somewhere else not making it. Make something else. That hour will be for you. Now, you may not be paid back in money, but you will be paid back with growth, with opportunity to survive, to be without the outside sense of success, but with the inner ability to grow. What is your aim? If you want to be an actor, you need a body that moves, and you need to learn how to talk properly and how to sing, and it would be helpful if you learned some music. Uh, you need to learn how to deal with all the things that are comedy and the drama and all the things that require your entire equipment for all time. Not just for now, but for all time. To achieve your true dimension, you have to stretch. You have to expand. To speak on stage, you can't use your everyday speech. It doesn't work. The stretch is a great privilege. When the artist expands, the entire world limbers up. It's a nice idea. It's a nice line. And the entire world limbers up. I'm not sure that... Does that make sense? I don't know. When I began, I told you you were permitted a certain kind of selfishness. You must come with a sense of quiet. You can't do that if you've forgotten something or if you have a phone call. So get rid of everything. Get rid of the newspaper. Get rid of a pocketbook. Get rid of the lipstick. These are quaint examples, hey? Back when newspapers, pocketbooks, and lipsticks were a distraction. If you do, you'll find a weight has been taking off, taken off of you. Focus on the thing in front of you. Concentration isn't hard. It's better. It's simpler. It'll take a weight off of you to not be trying to do everything. Everybody seems to have the ADHDs and all the letters because of something. It's because of something. It's not being done to you. Or not alone, I don't think. 
I think we play a role in some of this. Some of it. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. I don't know if you thought I was, but but you know when you get an adult that says I have ADHD, I'm like really do you or do you just are you just addicted to social media? Because I notice it in me too. When you have access to 18 things on your beautiful laptop and it's glowing at you or your phone, you're gonna try, you're gonna want to try at least six of those every five minutes. At least I do. But when everything's turned off and you just have your book. This is what I've noticed. I'm reading. It's at night. I'm in bed. I want to go back to the Instagram. But it's off. Like, I take it off my phone, the app. It's not there anymore. So then I got to go back to the book. And eventually I'll get into the rhythm of that book. It's harder, but it doesn't mean it's not a rhythm. It's a rhythm that we should be paying attention to all these rhythms. You can't miss a class, Adler says. Don't for any reason except death. Don't get a cold, don't get a backache, and don't go to your psychoanalyst. It doesn't belong in acting. We must have 100% health. This is hilarious. You have to be healthy and know that actors don't sneeze on stage, they don't catch pneumonia, they don't itch, and their feet don't hurt. Nothing happens to them. Health is something you owe yourself and your profession. Well, okay, I can owe it to me, but seems a little unreasonable. I've been an actress all my life, she says, and I've never had a headache. You must not give in. This must be the one area in your life that is totally controlled. Any faults you may have must be taken care of by yourself. I'm not going to go home and nurse you. Nobody else will either. You have to know your fault and correct them. Mr. Stanislavski had a bad lisp when I worked with him in Paris, and he said, I can't see you this morning. I've got to work on my lisp for two hours. This was a man in his 70s and the head of the Moscow Art Theater. Two years before he died, he knew he had a problem and he worked on it. Well, yeah, for sure, and that's impressive. But he's in his 70s and he still has a lisp? Could have worked on it a little earlier. You got to admit there was some procrastination there, Stella, with good old Stanislavski. Only you can be you, so do it. We need your best voice, your best body. We don't need for you to imitate any other body because that would be second best. And second is no better than your worst. If you were here to study dance class, it would be about your legs. If you were here to study piano, it would be about the instrument. But the actor uses all of these things. The legs, the voice, his eyes, his hands. He uses every part of his body. An actor is totally exposed. He stands on stage every moment. Every, mo every movement scrutinized. So if you feel like hiding, you've come to the wrong place. Everything an actor does has consequences. And there are no throwaway lines. The actor has to de develop his body. The actor has to work on his voice. But the most important thing that the actor has to work on is his mind. Nowadays, what passes for acting is nothing more than finding yourself in a character. That doesn't interest me, Adler says. Of course, you have to put your own experience in the character, but you have to realize Hamlet was not a guy just like you. The theater I grew up in was people with actors that didn't just want to play characters different from themselves, but bigger than themselves. 
Actors often don't raise themselves to the level of the characters these days. They bring the great characters down to their level. I'm afraid we live in a world that celebrates smallness, Adler says. You have to develop size. That is what we are here to work on. When you approach a big writer, you must take the measure of the writer. Acting has to do with size. It's the name of the game. To me, what she's saying is take big risks. Back for the fences with your choices within the confines of the format you're playing in. Is it on camera? Is it on stage? Is it voice? Is it live? Is it in a different culture? Pay attention to the style of the thing you're in. Act accordingly. But don't diminish. You cannot transmit what you haven't received. The currency of civilization is art. This is why the Talibans of the world are so repulsive to us. The destruction of art, the murdering of journalists over a cartoon, it is counterintuitive. It goes against how we're wired up. Because we're here for the art. You must study the art form you want to be a part of, the way a priest or a rabbi studies scripture. You have the privilege of forging a link from that history to the future. You're here to prepare yourselves to ask big questions, to help great writers pose great questions. That's what writers have done from Sophocles on. Part of your preparation must be to understand the language of the past and to make it compelling for audiences in the present. Okay, maybe, but not all the time. I suggest we take it down a thousand on the reverence for dead men and make room for some female playwrights of color. And I'm not just being woke here. I'm not just here to placate. I'm not. We're a writer with a disability. You know, I'm just sick of all the same stuff. Like, would we still be so enamored with Shakespeare if we had to pay for him? What about somebody else in the park? Why is it just Shakespeare all the time? Something, anything different. I'm just a bit bored with that, you know, with the old, with the tried and the true. What about the something different? And reverence, this reverence for the past and for we're still governed by the dead. Reverence means a preciousness. A precious actor is someone that is more interested in themselves than in their scene partner or audience. The theater is epic. The way law is large. The family is large. The way growing trees are large. Adler then goes on to say she slept her way up to Columbia University to study architecture, even though she was performing on Broadway already. This is what I'm talking about, about the preciousness, the teacher that makes it about themselves. I do it all the time, and then it haunts me for days. I talk too much. Hopefully in my upcoming book on acting, the AI editor will have removed 90% of the self-serving anecdotes, for they are legion. The teacher is the sole expert, the guru, the one with the market cornered on how to do things. Run, I say. Run and get a second opinion. And a third. There are plenty of teachers out there. Also, listen to your gut. Practice that. Give yourself notes. If you're having a hard time getting feedback on your auditions, give yourself some. Study acting. Get better at it. Film yourself. Analyze your performance and then do it differently. What is measured can be managed. Do you read, Adler asks. If you don't read Dante, Keats, or Dostoevsky, then you don't really read. 
again, this is a bit my way or the highway for me, but she does bring up a good point. Actors can benefit by reading fiction. Why? Because of something called happy befuddlement. It was George Saunders' idea. He wrote, he's written many short stories and books. A novel he wrote won uh, the Booker Prize a few years ago. It's called Lincoln and the Bardo. Maybe you've read it. It's fucking amazing. And uh, in a podcast, I heard him talk about happy befuddlement, where, where you're enjoying the story, but you don't actually know 100% what's going on completely. That's a great goal for acting. You, you, because you leave room for the audience. You generate space for someone else's interpretation of your interpretation. It's a bit heady, I know, but think of it this way. Either you can live a life not knowing where things are, are going to go, or you can map it out, and then you can telegraph it to everybody else. People aren't so interested in watching a plan unfold in so much as they're watching... Two people go after something without knowing what the outcome is. Acting is doing. Do stuff whenever you're acting. Don't just sit there regurgitating lines. Look for when you start faking it. And that's when you get back to your body. And how do you do that? You look at the light and the bed and the TV and the chair and you label it. You can do that. You just... You don't have to do anything more. You just look at a lamp, label it. I'm looking at a lamp. Suddenly you're present. Look at a lemon and describe it. Describe everything about it. Make the lemon come alive. You're not thinking about anything else. You're nowhere else. You're just describing a lemon. People will watch that. They will. It's weird, but we will. Invoke your imagination. Don't underestimate all that is in your memory bank. If you're playing a queen, then think of all the queens there have been. Just think of all those queens. There's a ton of queens, and now you're a part of that lineage if you decide to be. You don't have to know every single queen. It doesn't help to know all the details and the information. That just gets in our head. Think about all those queens. That's an amazing feeling to me. And now you're playing a queen. Or think about all the actors that have played the queens on the stage, and now you're playing one. You're part of that thing. That's incredible. That's, that's big. You're a part of something because you chose to be a part of it. You aren't confined to your generation, your country, your class. There's an expansiveness that can come from the endless possibilities that the entire world produces. You have to observe that. Be out in the world and notice. Copy, emulate, and put it in the body. Acting is very simple. It's just doing something as truthful as possible. What, complicate, what complicates things is you're on a stage or you're in a light. But be worthy of that platform. Put in that work. I would suggest be wary of someone else's hopes and dreams. Those are those black marks on that white page. They aren't there to imprison. They are there to take the pressure off. Know that they are someone else's business, though. You are there to interpret. Like the musician varies the notes uh, that the composer wrote. And like the stone carver manipulates the marble. The actor interprets the lines. Don't forget your role in this. It is key. Adler says you have to speak on voice. Your voice needs to stretch. You need to find your voice to make yourself understood. You must have an acting voice. I don't care how horrible it sounds, she says, but you must have some volume. 
Unless you can talk, you can't act, and then you're dull, and you have to be told that. I like it rough. Do you? I like how old school teachers just tell you how it is. The late, great Keith Johnstone. I was shocked as a young man. How old was I? 21? And I started improvising at the Loose Moose. And getting notes from him. He would just tell you when you were bad and why. And that sort of direct talk is a shortcut to learning, which I always appreciated. A good exercise, one that will help you build your voice, is to read an editorial. I'm not sure what that is. Aloud every day. First, read it in your normal voice. Oh, maybe it's from a newspaper. And your normal voice should be getting bigger and bigger. Stronger and stronger. Read it as if you want someone 15 feet away from you to hear and understand it. Now read it as if the audience were across the table, across the room, across the street, 50 feet away. Add space as your vocal muscles warm up and strengthen. Talking goes out, she says. Talking doesn't go in. Only demented people talk in. It's madness to talk in. I love that. She could have just said talking goes out, but then she wants to qualify it by roping in a group of people that she labels demented who had no, have no idea that she's writing this book. Just want to be left out of it. Didn't choose to be demented. But she's like, only demented people talk in. It's madness to talk in. It makes no sense. The body doesn't go in. It goes out. The body pulls you upward. The voice goes out. That doesn't make sense either. The body pulls you upward. Anyway, when you're on a stage, that platform is always there for you, she says, to hold you up. Sometimes actors don't think they can do it. Sweet, sensitive actors. Sometimes they're not sure they can stand on their own two feet. Now walk around on stage. What is your action? Walking around a stage is different than walking through the park or down the sidewalk. Okay, let's sidebar for a moment. What is the importance of learning from someone you disagree with? I think it does three things. First of all, it activates a growth mindset. Sure, you may not agree with this person all the time. You may not even want to be their friend. However, you can learn from unlikely sources. And that must go a long way to keeping your mind open to new things and not just react emotionally when you hear something that you don't like the sound of. Two, it separates the art or craft from the person. We don't have to be friends with them. We don't have to get a tattoo of their name on across our chest. We don't have to admit that we've read their book. We, we just have to take like a magpie, just take indiscriminately, whatever you want, whatever serves you. Three, gather information in spite of your ego. If some of this information, or if the person runs contrary to your present belief system, you know that others, too, will be turned off by this. This gives you an advantage. You're getting information from a source that may have fallen out of favor in some ways. But, like all of us, Stella Adler is a woman of her century, and that century is over. There's still things to learn from her, though. And if other people aren't doing it, then you've separated yourself from the pack. If you can stay open to someone that you wouldn't want to be friends with, you reconfigure reasons why you'd spend time with people. 
We don't need to be friendly with every single person we meet. In Canada, we're experts at friendliness, but then as soon as your back is turned, we stab you a dozen times. We don't need to practice that anymore. We're experts. We need to practice being with someone annoying and observing them. Use props. In your auditions, use them to get yourself into trouble. Be deliberate. Practice this. We are always in a rush. In our actions, in our lives, in our doings, in our auditions. We need to slow down and be deliberate. Letting go. The principle of seeing is something that takes a lot of time. We'll watch you if you have intention and focus. It's not boring. Besides, what's so bad about being boring? What's worse is watching someone trying to be interesting. Like when people fake laugh or try to speak with an accent they don't possess. Letting go is when you take all the work that you've done on the things you've seen, that you've interacted with, that you've given meaning to, and then you let go of it. This is a common thing in acting classes. It hasn't yet worked for me. I can't so easily get out of my head. Maybe you're different. I must never grab on in the first place. That's how powerful my brain is. Or my lack of ability to regulate it. Many teachers call this coming loaded up or filled up. You do all your homework and then you let go of it in the moment. I can't yet do this. I don't write on my script. It'll put me in my head. I don't write down my intentions, my actions, my obstacle, my subtext. After 30 years of this, I just do it all in the moment. I see that other person and I'm acting opposite and I just give them hell. When I'm practicing by myself, my lines, I do it I do it a million times differently, 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 differently until I discover stuff. And I'm always looking for the way that I that surprises me because then I think that'll surprise somebody else and that'll separate me from the pack. I see the other person that I'm acting opposite of and I give them hell because acting is a blood sport. Or I seduce because acting can be courtship. Or I care for because acting can be compassion. Choose your poison. Make the choices the biggest ones, then light them on fire. Caring for others is the hardest one for me. In my Meisner class, I met an actor who could care for even the most annoying hacks like myself. She did Meisner from a very sympathetic place. And if you've done Meisner, you know that it can be a cruel, cruel mistress. I'd love to be able to give that to someone someday in a scene. All that compassion. Allow your objects to speak to you. Know the smell of the peach, the feel of the money, the smell of a room when you walk into it. Practice being present. Practice awareness. Take nothing for granted. Notice everything. Adler says your homework for next week is to clean imaginary mud off of your shoe. Pick an imaginary feather off of your down-filled pillow. Pretend there is glue on your hand. That reminds me, once an actor in a play I wrote, John Murphy, great actor, Not a great play. It was about real estate and bondage, two of my passions. Once, he walked across the stage, and in the middle, he bent over in a graceful way and picked up a piece of something on the floor. I asked him what it was, and he told me it was nothing. It was just an imagined piece of lint or something. But he created something in the audience's mind with that simple gesture. I think that's the smoke and mirrors of of the theater that I love. It's so simple. Developing the imagination. 
I have told you actors should not easily get sick or tired, Adler continues. Actors belong to a class of people that don't give up. They are disciplined. They take care of themselves. They are alert and interesting. They don't succumb to middle-class fatigue. The general laxity of society we belong to promotes self-indulgence and is not good for the actor. Proper posture, which has a great effect on the way we breathe. We have to be in good physical condition to work on the stage. We must possess enormous energy. And, if I may interject here, Stella, all of this is good advice delivered with a terrific amount of baseless, faithful hope. I like the confidence she has in actors. We don't get sick. We refuse to get injured. We don't get tired. We're never bored in class. We have great posture. Our voices are better than normal people that get married and live shitty lives in the suburbs. If any of this were possible, actors would have taken over the world long ago. But she's right in thinking performers can be the best of us. It's not because we can stop a virus at 50 yards, however. It's because of what we practice. Vulnerability, risking humiliation, connection, bearing our soul, being naked and ugly in public. That's what people come to see, because they are not often able to go out on that limb themselves. We are a proxy for the emotionally at bay. Enter into other people's lives to work that imagination. That is empathy. Put yourself in other people's shoes. Start with the person you dislike the most. Start with the homeless guy. He doesn't have a belt. Stands on the corner. Near the bank. Try and figure out what circumstances lead him there. If circumstances were different, it might be you they're begging. All it would really take is some abuse at home. Maybe a dash of schizophrenia. How about some time spent in a residential school? That would do it for me. Feel that. Not because you're researching a character, but because you are practicing putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And you're slowing down. And you are present and aware and filling up your imagination. You don't have to take notes. You don't have to show anyone you're having feelings. Feel the feelings. Don't be the feelings. The feelings are a tool. They don't define you. We are painters. And the palette comes through ourselves. This is Stella again. Looking at a pair of glasses, I can let my imagination travel. I suppose a lot of people wear glasses, but they're really rather ugly. Just two pieces of glass. They're not meant for anything but to see through. Well, that's kind of important, isn't it? I used to wear glasses, she says, but I've given them up. I guess I made the sacrifice because glass has no qualities in it. Wouldn't you feel much better if there were wine in this glass or whiskey? Oh, she's doing a joke. But by itself, the piece of glass has no personality. The rims of the glass are opaque. Do you know stones that are opaque? They are the colors of death, the pale green. It's nice when they're amber. What the fuck is she going on about now? Amber earrings change color. People don't wear amber anymore except in Paris where their shops are filled with it. It's very hard for a French man to give up anything. What the fuck? All right, Stella. Moving on. One of our exercises is describing cats. Oh, okay, I like this part. I like cats because I suffer from toxoplasmosis due to the heinous feline I live with named Meow Meow. Don't get me wrong, I like dogs too. I just don't like all the barking and the hot fecal matter and the staring. What's with the staring and the breathing and the jumping up and the neediness? Anyway, back to Stella! 
The liking, of course, has nothing to do with anything. The liking. The liking of us, the liking of ourselves, the the liking of performance. So how did you feel in that scene you just did? Oh, I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Okay, we practice. We want to practice removing the judgment, Stella, whether you like glasses or not, because we can't, of course, judge our characters, and we can't judge the job we're doing if we're a responsible actor, because we're fully committed. And we certainly don't want to judge the grist for the mill because then we'll be in a state of negativity instead of neutrality, which is what we have to be in because we are observers. We take it all in. Does that make sense? We save the emotion for the acting. And the rest of the time, the grist for the mill time, we're not judging people that wear glasses. That's a waste of energy. We're seeing a person, we're going, that person wears glasses. I could wear glasses next time on stage. That'd be fun. In my audition, this person might wear glasses. (laughs) Actors are nervous. Focus on what you're about to do. Stay in the present. Call out the things you're doing. I'm walking over there. I'm opening the door. I am looking at a hedge. I am crossing the threshold. I am breathing. I am closing the door behind me. Hey, I feel calmer. This is an easy way to make sure you're not slipping back into your head. Watch You Can't Be Caught Acting. Henry Irving in Victorian London played. People would say we are going to see Henry Irving play at the Lyceum. He is playing Shylock. Nowadays, we say we're going to see Al Pacino work. It's true. We fetishize work, and we don't talk about play enough. But it is still called a play. I'm going to go see a play. And then people invariably go, oh, bring a pillow. But anyways, that's something different. Actions. Perform an action. Don't indicate an action. Do. It's all in the doing. Doing stuff is easy if you have a goal or objective. Give yourself a prop. Give yourself an objective. All right? Give yourself something to do in your self-tape. Doesn't matter if it isn't exactly what the precious breakdown says. Fuck the breakdown. Adler says, along with these actions, one must memorize what muscles one uses and what effort the action takes. The memory of how to do it should be in your body. If you prepare properly, that memory stays there, and that memory is ready for action whenever you need it. Okay, you lost me there now. Am I missing something here? This sounds like a one-way ticket to thinking all the time. Why do we need to practice actions when we know how to move a chair, walk, lift up a log? Because, well, we're not babies anymore. We've learned all that stuff. Adler talks about being able to do these actions with imaginary objects, but surely this would only apply to mimes. I'm not miming. Don't You certainly can't mime in your audition. Don't mime. Unless it's maybe a gun. But keep that out of frame. Indicate with your arms, but keep your hands out of frame. I don't really get the miming part here. It's confusing. The teacher that confuses, in my experience, keeps the students coming back looking for answers. That's not fomenting independence, Stella. I say there's enough confusion out there already. Why not just practice what looks good on camera? Learn that. Then when you're rich and famous, you can take six months off, go to Paris, and go to mime school. Have an opinion. Adler speaks for a great deal about overpopulation. I'm not sure why. Maybe that was that's the thing they were talking about back whenever this book was written. Uh, But she certainly has an opinion about it, and it is strong, which reminds me, you have to have an opinion about what you're doing, where you are, what you want from your scene partner. 
A strong opinion is the opposite of Canadian politeness. It's an antidote to regurgitating lines. You have to separate yourself from the pack, have a strong opinion about what you're saying. For instance, in a recent audition, I was reading for a sports TV announcer. I was commentating on a track and field athlete vomiting on the field. I started gagging. I decided to react as a sympathetic puker. That's having a strong opinion. I see someone puke, so I decide that I'm going to start almost puking. you got to look for that choice, the strongest choice, the one that's going to provoke, the one that's going to affect the most. It might not be what the director uses in the end, but that doesn't matter. We're not here to give them exactly what they want. That's impossible. They don't know what they want. And we're not mind readers. Adler says, implement ideas that will provoke a response. Yes, provoke your scene partner. It doesn't matter if you're wrong. There is no wrong. You just try, adjust, try. Nah, that's not quite right. Adjust, try, 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 try. You can't fail if you're making art. To provoke a response is to connect and fast. Don't think about it. Just do it. To make something happen in front of the camera. That's what the camera wants. Make something happen. Take a risk. Have that intention. Have that, um, not the intention. That's not what I mean. Have that um, impulse and go with it. Practice going with the impulse. doesn't matter if it's wrong. We're not, we're not doing wrong. It's not wrong or right. It's not about liking. It's not about being good enough. It's about going out on a limb. Adler goes on to say how actors are terrible partners in a marriage. No woman would want to marry an actor. Hmm. Furthermore, an actor must devote all his time to his profession. The career of an actor doesn't permit a family. This was definitely written in the 50s. The publishing date says 2000, but Adler died in 92. Some of her ideas feel like they're from the 19th century. Charlie Munger once said, make friends with dead people. They've been writing down their ideas for 5,000 years. Is that true? 5,000 years of books? Anyway, we don't have to reinvent the wheel, was what he was saying. We can steal from the dead. They're fine with it. So steal what works from Stella, may I gently remind you. Leave all this wacky stuff behind. Actions. Everything is based on actions. You develop a character by doing, so do stuff. Don't just sit there in your audition and try to remember your lines. Give yourself something to do. Make everything harder. Get yourself into trouble. Eat a sandwich. Load yourself up with file folders filled with paper. Put your glasses on to read a file. Take them off to focus on your scene partner. Now you're in the moment. Now you're paying attention. The writer only provides the skeleton. The writer, the actor... The actor provides the flesh and blood. It's not the words that make the performance. It's the actions. It's the behavior. These cannot be done without practice. You must practice so it can happen over and over under imagined circumstances. So you're not indicating. Watch Brad Pitt eat in Moneyball. He eats in half the scenes. He doesn't take tiny bites and then put his fork, puts his fork down like you see in so many film and TV shows where everybody's afraid of eating because of continuity, because they don't have to eat take after take because they're worried about being thin, because um, they don't want to eat you know, cold. It may not be all that edible because it's not a restaurant. It's a TV show. Brad Pitt in Moneyball is stuffing his beautiful mouth with a sandwich or a Twinkie, and it's real, and it's amazing, and he's still acting. 
We marvel at the god Brad Pitt eating a Twinkie. An actor I kind of know in Vancouver is always knitting in her auditions, I heard. Doesn't matter what the audition is, she knits. Isn't that great? I mean, knitting is just innocuous and, uh, I don't know, like home, homey, and uh, uh, maternal, and also deadly. The two giant needles she's holding. So it can be weapons, too. Such a good choice. Justify your actions. You have to choose something that awakens you, Adler says. You have to do something that surprises, provokes your scene partner. Adler speaks about it affecting you. It says it's both more risky and more helpful if you do something that will mess with the other person in the scene. Make every action you perform epic. Find a reason for everything you do. If you're doing it with intention, then it's not just arbitrary conversational ticks and tells. Because we're not doing real life here. We're making art. It's something bigger and better than reality. We're getting at something closer to the truth. This will stop us from eyebrow acting, from blinking a lot, saying, um, it will return us to stillness. This will allow us to listen. Listening means we're open to being affected. That will lead to us affecting them back. And now we're in a knife fight, and that's what we want. Make strong choices. The ones that will provoke the most. Don't play it safe. Go out on a limb. Try big crazy stuff, for that is how we behave. Because we're nuts. Bat for the fences. Complicate actions. Make your scene more complicated. Get yourself into trouble. We need to exist on a cliff's edge. Not safe in your bedroom, hiding under the covers, staring at your phone. Understand your relationship with your scene partner and your actions and then put them in jeopardy. When we get comfortable in a romantic relationship, what's the first thing we do? We lash out. We test. We dissemble. We push at the boundaries. What do we do when we're at a job for a few years? We start stealing stuff. We slack off. We feign illness. So ask yourself, what's the most obnoxious, most complicated, most troublesome choices you can make within the realm of realism? Understand the text. Adler says we must show the inside of a character to the audience. You must really understand the dissimilar traits of the characters. How does an aristocrat move versus a gardener? You have to know that what the, the what, where, when, why, and who of a daffodil, and only then can you play the daffodil. Do you agree with this? I don't know. I don't know because I don't want to do all this research. I want to act. That's, I came here for the acting. I love acting. If I loved research, I would be a researcher. I'm more of a student of the Willem Dafoe school of acting, where you don't actually know who your character's great-great-grandfather was and how they voted. And within this space you've created, you expand into, into a more human, more bodily generosity. Give yourself to someone or something, and then commit to it fully. Film yourself and see if that rings true to you. Dare to work. Study the military mind. Assume a similar power or aggression. Get rid of being average. I like this part. Find an inner strength through searching for and facing adversity. Find outer strength by putting yourself through strenuous exercise. Actors are lazy. I know. I am one. The ones that aren't lazy rise to the top. They do. 
You can see it. Their work ethic is amazing. And we marvel at it. And then we go back to looking at our phones. Or we could just take a page out of the Tom Cruises or the Christian Bales of the world and just try that on for size. If you start working real hard, that's what you begin to practice. And then you just get used to it. And then you're just fine with it. And then you just keep doing it. And then you do that forever. A soldier is willing to die for their country. An actor must have a commensurate amount of commitment. You won't let anyone get in your way of your goals, whether you're in front of the camera or not. So borrow that from the Tom Cruises and the Christian Bales. Not too much, of course, just a dash, because only Tommy can be Tommy. Just borrow the part that is incredible. Be epic, be large, take up space, have the right amount of delusion. Think to yourself, why not me? In conclusion, the value of reading this book was more of a jumping-off point for me. It reminded me of and inspired me to think of other ideas. It did not enlighten. It didn't blow my mind. That happens for me far more often in a class. I've had all my breakthroughs with a great teacher in a class with great community where everything was resonating, and I was open to it. Now, the opposites happened a lot, too. I've been in classes for years, and I'm completely clueless, outside of my body, just going through the motions. Meisner changed that for me. Meisner and, um, Meisner and that book, Second Circle, from Patsy Rodenberg. You don't have to like a book or a teacher to learn from them. It's not about liking. Just like it's not about whether your scene work was good or bad. It's about how you, in a cold and business-like manner, learn more about yourself in acting. Aim for that. If anything or anyone gets in your way, stab them in the heart. Focus. Priorities. If you're doing it right, you'll find yourself in the middle of a knife fight. For more information on bold acting classes, go to boldacting.com. To sign up for my free newsletter, go to boldacting.substack.com. Please share this podcast with people far and wide. The Bold Acting Podcast has three streams. It has the What I Learned From stream, where I read an acting book and tell you in under an hour what I learned. Then it's got the Bold Interview, where I interview uh, showbiz veterans on how they've survived in Canadian showbiz. And three, uh, I read the Bold Acting Newsletter every week for those of us who don't like to read. Thanks for sharing it, spreading the word, and rating it five stars. I couldn't handle anything less. Please send me your life savings or just get in touch at jasonbryden at gmail.com. See you next time.